Hello, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to uh, the Woman by Definition podcast. I've got an exceptional guest for you this evening. Uh, and I can't tell you her name. And I've blurred out her face. And we've kept lots of the details secret. And that's because this woman is amongst thousands across the country. Um, and she's one of the only ones that will talk to me on a podcast because most are too frightened. So the lady I'm interviewing this evening is a mother of a child who has transitioned. Her daughter is now about 20. Uh, they live in the UK. She accesses online support groups, which I can't tell you about because they get infiltrated too many times. Um, and so the regular networks would be a good place to start if you are also facing this. So that would be Transgender Trend, the Safe Schools Alliance, and also there is a group called Our Duty, which is a group of parents that you can find on Facebook who can give information. Um, it's quite distressing at parts because clearly what my guest is talking about is highly emotional. Uh, and I must say, I was lucky that I kept my mascara because as a parent myself, um, to think about my own child poisoning herself from within uh, in an irreversible way that could end up killing her, I, I just don't know how, how I would cope. So I want to say a very big thank you again to my guest this evening. She's been extraordinarily brave and courageous, knowing that the backlash that may, she may face uh, will be huge. But she said to me in a pre-chat uh, to the interview that she doesn't feel like she's got anything left to lose because she's already lost her daughter to this insidious cult. And she just hopes that if one parent can be persuaded to take action right at the beginning of their child being captured by this cult, that it will have been worth it. So, enjoy. Recording. Okay. All right. So, thank you so much for reaching out and agreeing to come on to the Woman by Definition podcast. Um, I'm going to let people find out uh, who you are and why you're here. But if I just start by saying um, it's incredibly brave for you to do this. And I think uh, parents across the country are going to be uh, just very grateful that you've spoken out. So welcome. Thank you. Hello. Good morning. Um, I want to talk about my experience um, with what's happened to my daughter. Um, she's, when, when she was growing up, she was just a normal child. Occasionally she'd be a little bit difficult, but aren't all kids, you know, they go through their little phases. Um, <clears throat> she had very long hair, absolutely refused to allow me to get it cut at the hairdressers or anything like that. Um, so I used to just kind of tidy it up at the bottom myself. Um, she was always very into cuddly toys and 
from an early age, she seemed to have quite a good maternal instinct. So if we, we had a cat, um, she used to refer to this cat as her child. Um, and it was, her, it was her cat. She absolutely loved that cat. Um, and when she would come home from school, it would, oh, where's my child? Where's my child? You know, um, as far as um, our home life was concerned, I've always been at home with my children. Don't see the point in having children and then paying somebody else to look after them. I accept that there's other families that can't do that, you know, where both mum and dad have to work and, and that's fine. It doesn't suit me. So I've always been here. I, was, I would take them to school, I would come home. When they got old enough, uh, the two children, uh, when they got old enough to walk home from school, I would be here when they came in. They never came home to an empty house. Um, I cook, so you know it wasn't takeaways or junk food. Everything pretty much was cooked properly. Just a normal, what I, I would imagine is a normal family life for me. It was the way that I grew up. Um, my dad worked, my mother didn't. Um, you know, it was just normal, normal family life. And <clears throat> I suppose when she got to about 12, 13, um, puberty, yeah that hit um and it made her uncomfortable and i know it made her uncomfortable but i was here you know i'm a woman i know what it's like i always encouraged my children if you've got any problems if there's anything that you're worried about you can always come to me because that's my job i'm here you know um not so that I would pander to them because they have to learn, you know, that there's some things you can't have and some things you can. And if you can't have it, well, that's just life, you know, these kinds of things. Um, she, she's quite friendly with a young boy. Um, and she said to me one day that he had decided that he was a girl. And I was just like, oh, okay then, that's a bit odd. So we're probably talking about six or seven years ago. Right. Um, and something happened between her and this young boy. Um, they're both the same age, both in the same year group. But something happened that really upset her. And I never, she would never ever tell me what it was. Looking back, knowing what I know now, oh, isn't hindsight a wonderful thing? Looking back, I think that he's, uh, he was a young autogynophile. Right. Knowing what I know now. He very much wanted to be friendly with girls and he wanted to wear dresses. And his mother went along with that. She took him to a gender clinic and I don't know what happened to him. He and my daughter gradually grew apart, but I think he, whatever happened that really, really upset her that she would never talk to me about, 
affected her quite deeply. Put that together with um, the way that her father behaved. He, he's my ex-husband now, thank you God. Um, but he was, and still is, misogynistic. He's a bigot, he's racist. None of these things have a place in my life. I don't believe, you know, that people should be judged by the color of their skin. Um, they're human beings. Everyone is a human being. That's my view. And this was something that I also tried to instill in the children. And I think quite successfully. Um, my older, her, my daughter's older brother, um, he's quite balanced. He's um, had issues, as most kids do. But I'm very proud of him. And in many ways, I'm very proud of my daughter. She uh, used to sing and she played piano um, and she played by ear, which I was quite jealous about because I never could. Um, but she had perfect pitch. She joined a drama group, uh, like a, a local youth group. Um, and they would put on uh, shows every Christmas. Um, she had solo part where she was singing. She stood up on stage with her lovely little white dress and her long hair and she sang beautifully and I'm sat in the audience crying like a baby because I'm so proud, you know. She, she had all of, all of the normal interests that a young girl would have. Mm. But when whatever this was that happened, she just went, I don't want to go there anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to do singing anymore. She would still play piano in her room, <clears throat> um, but she basically cut herself off from the creative side um, that she was really, really good at. Really good. Yeah. And she really loved it. I could see her. You can't fake that. You can't fake singing and dancing on stage. You, you, you just wouldn't do it if you didn't love it. Yeah, you know, yeah. but she just she let all of that go. And sorry, I've kind of rambled a little bit here. Her father would never go and watch her. So she would she would be in school plays. This particular show that was at a local theatre. Um, he he I said, come on, you know, we'll get tickets. We'll both go. Oh, he said, that's not really my thing. Well, actually, I don't care whether it's your thing or not. This is our daughter. You know, and parents turning up to watch them is, is how you support your kids and you show them <laughs> that you're proud of them and you're interested in what they're doing. And I do wonder sometimes whether she, she felt that um, he wasn't interested in her because she was female. Um, I think as much as I tried to hide the hurt and the upset, of the way that he behaved towards me sometimes. Um, she knew and he behaved towards her in the same way. He would do things with her, but it would only be the things that he wanted to do, which were generally male kind of things. Um, the, anything else, it was just like, oh no, I'm not really, that's not really my thing. You know, Go and ask your mother kind of thing. And I think, Kids need both parents. They need both parents to be interested in what they're doing. You know, 
because that's how kids know that their parents care about them. So I think there was a combination of things that kind of made her feel um, that she wasn't worth anything. She knew, she knows I love her, she knows that. Um, but there, there was a, a definite, a definite switch. And she came home from school one day and she, she announced that she was a lesbian. And I was like, oh, okay, we're exploring this, that's fine. Although I have to say the first thing that came into my mind was a kind of sense of relief because it, I thought, well, at least I don't, <laughs> there's not going to be an unplanned pregnancy here then. Woo! <laughs> you know, um, but I'm quite liberal. I just think I've always taught my kids, um, you, can, you can do whatever you want to do if you want to, you know, if my daughter wanted to grow up to be an engineer, she could do that. Mm. Um, you know, explore the world. The world is out there. Explore, do what, make, what you want to do. Um, because I'm an independent woman. I've always been independent in terms of, well, I can do this and I can do that. I can wire a plug, you know, I don't need a man to do these things. And I try to give my kids the same tools, yeah. you know? Um, so then she asked if she could join the local LGBT group. Okay. Now, bearing in mind that I don't spend hours and hours on social media, it does my sheeping head in. And I didn't know what the T meant for. I, I, the T stood for, I didn't know what that meant. So I said to her, what does T mean? Oh, she said, that's trans. And I thought that was transsexual because nice. We all know, don't we all know that, you know, 20 years ago, there were these very rare cases of people who genuinely thought that they were trapped in the wrong body. Yeah. And they were referred to as transsexuals and it was very rare and, but it was generally men. It's generally males yeah. that had, yeah. had this issue. So I was kind of aware of that, but so I thought, oh, it's transsexual. Okay. <clears throat> Big mistake to let her go there. Big mistake. Because at that time, I didn't realise that actually that's how they're captured. That's how the young people are captured. Mm. And after about a year, so she would have been mid-teens, um, she said that she, dis she wanted me to call her by a different name. And it was a very, um, neither male nor female, genderless. It was a genderless name, okay. And I said, well, I can't, I can't call you that because if I, when, when I say that, it sounds like a lie. Yeah. Because that's not your name. And she got so cross with me, so cross. And she said, well, all my friends call me that, you know. And I said, but, but I can't because... I gave birth to you. I chose your name. And she got even angrier. Well, you shouldn't have. And I'm just like, yeah, well, we'll just kind of push that to one side for a minute because you can't call a baby baby 
until they're 13 or 14 to allow them to choose their own name, can you? You know? So um, she, she basically told me, if you respected me, you would call me by the name I choose. To call me by that other name is disrespectful. And if my friends can do it, I don't understand why you can't. And I said, well, we're, we're just gonna have to disagree on this because I can't call you by anything but your own given name. Mm -hmm. So she said, well, when I'm 18, I'm going to change it. And I went, well, that's entirely up to you because when you're 18, you can legally change it if that's really what you want to do. Now, she never came out at school as being a boy or trans or anything. And she never told her teachers. She never asked her teachers to call her by this new name. But when she went to college, she did. She asked them to call her by this new name. What I did in the meantime was to not use her name at all because I couldn't call her. If I called her by a given name, I was basically upsetting her, but I just could not bring myself to say that name. Um, just to, for clarity, so how old is she now? How old is she at this moment that you're talking? Is she 16? That when she starts yes, college yes, and when the she trans went to college, stuff happened? Yes, yes. She was, so she was 16 then. Um, but she, she'd already been saying that she was trans. And I, I have to say, I thought it was just a phase. You know, the lesbian thing was just a phase. The trans thing was just a phase. And of course, now, knowing what I know now, I know that it isn't. I know that she had been very effectively captured. And she was basically captured by something that happened that made her feel very uncomfortable about herself. The feeling that females are not as important or not as strong as males. And using the internet too much. You know, I used, to, I used to watch her. I used to say, you know, what are you doing? What site are you on? Tumblr, she said. Well, I didn't know what Tumblr was. I never grew up with the internet. I didn't know what it was. I did look, but all I could see were loads of pictures, kids sharing pictures. And she's very artistic. And I thought, oh, that's good. It's like an art site or something. And she's sharing, she's drawing and sharing pictures. So naive, so naive, so stupid. I know more now, but I can't turn the clock back. Now, when she was 18, on her 18th birthday, she did indeed change her name by default. Right. She still lived here at home. Um, and, oh, I missed out a bit, sorry. When she was 17, her father walked out. Um, and he never spoke to her again. He would send her text messages. They were very self-pitying text messages. It was mm. all about him. And I think all that did was reinforce how he was much more important than she was to him. 
that that's my view i could be wrong i'm not a psychologist but that's the way that i viewed it and she used to find those text messages to start with quite distressing and then she would just get annoyed and in the end she blocked him so that she didn't have to read them anymore and she never replied to them either so i think all of those there were there was not one particular thing there were lots of little things that pushed her further into this other place mm. and I, I do feel that she's got internalized misogyny i think that she feels that um women are are often of they're weak they're stupid women are always going to be treated badly therefore i should be a man that's my understanding of of what happens to some of these kids so she changed her name uh, when she was 18. Um, six months later, she decides she's going to move in with her boyfriend. She's at uni now. She's gone to uni. Um, but she decides she's going to move in to student accommodation with her boyfriend. So um, she's in a heterosexual, a heterosexual relationship with a boy, but wants to be referred to as a boy. Right. Right. So she's a gay boy and he's a straight guy, which is just, you know, if you think about that for too long, your head's going to explode. <laughs> um, so she. She said, I, I begged her not to go, honestly, all of us, we all begged her not to do this because I didn't feel that she was equipped emotionally. Right. I didn't feel that she was equipped emotionally to be that independent. That was going to put a huge strain on her. I know she got a student grant, but even so, it's still difficult. You know, you've got your rent to pay, your food to buy, etc. And I just thought you're, you're giving yourself an unnecessary burden. Um, at that age, I believe kids should be out enjoying themselves. You know, they should be they should be going out, meeting up with friends, maybe planning a holiday or something. They should be doing these sociable things, not going, oh, well, I'm just stuck in my room because I can't afford to go out, you know. Um, but she was absolutely insistent that this is what she was going to do. And this was, you know, she was big enough and old enough to make her own decisions. Now, obviously. I could have locked her in a room and just fed her a bucket of fishes once a week but i can't because that's against the law <laughs> <laughs> you know so as much as we all begged her not to do it she was absolutely determined that that was what she was going to do now i knew the the, the young man that she was living with i'd met him a few times and i know he absolutely adored her he, he, they'd known each other all through school. He absolutely adored her. Hmm. But I feel that he struggled with this idea of her being male. I don't think it sat well with him. Now, for all I know, he may have thought, well, eventually, you know, she'll stop and she'll go back to being female. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it, in the end, it caused some friction between them and they went their separate ways. 
um, then she, she picked up with another guy. Oh, another straight guy, right? I think he might be a year or two older than her, but she, she, she got this new boyfriend. Uh, she now lives with him. Uh, they're in a heterosexual relationship and she describes their relationship as, he's a straight guy, but I'm gay. And we're still there. We're still there. It's insane. So she told me, she sent me a text just before Christmas, um, informing me that she intended to start taking testosterone. And that's when I started to get really, really scared, really scared. Because I now realize that actually this probably isn't a phase. Right. Um, I joined a support group um, and there are thousands thousands of parents in the same position that I'm in, thousands of them. Just because they don't shout about it doesn't mean that they don't exist. And they're all suffering. And we're all telling the same stories. You know, we get new people join, sometimes three and four a day. Good gracious. Right, who joined and they read some of the stories that we've all put up. Um, it's all completely anonymous, obviously, but we've, we've all put it up. And they're there and they're going, my story's just so similar to yours. You know, there are parents of boys, but there are more parents of girls. And all of the mums are saying that, um, and there's some fathers there as well. It's not all women, there's some fathers. And they're all saying, you know, well, everything was fine. Everything was fine. And then all of a sudden something happened. And my child suddenly decided that they were the opposite sex. And there's no pushing back. You just can't push back. And it's, it seems the more you try to push back, the digger they deep, dig their heels in, the, mm. the deeper, the deeper they dig their heels in. So as a parent, you're, you're looking at all of this and you're thinking, okay, well, you know, this is wrong. There's something going on here. We're not stupid. Yeah. There's something going on here. So I asked her if she would come and talk to me about what she intended to do. And I had done as much research as I could possibly cope with. And a lot of what I was reading was incredibly upsetting. And we sat and we talked and she said, she turned up, she, she, she'd been wearing a binder for years. And we talked about this and I said, you know, it's not safe. It's, binding is not safe. Yes, it is, she said. I don't wear it all the time, you know, she said. She said, because it's too painful. Now, any normal person would sit there and go, well, don't do it then. If it hurts, don't do it. And I said to her, if it's that painful, why are you doing it? Well, if I don't do it, I won't pass. So it's not about how she perceives herself. It's about how society perceives her. 
because she's quite happy to not wear it when she's at home. So she doesn't have a problem with these. What she has a problem with is how people view her. So I, I, I kind of, all I could say to her was, as, and a lot of parents have done this, you're restricting your breathing, you're damaging your breast tissue. You could crack a rib, you know? This, this could make you really, really unwell. Oh no, well, I, I do it safely, she said. And she was absolutely insistent that she does it safely. And it's, it, there's no point keep trying to bang your head against a brick wall, is there? No. So um, we moved on. I, I said, well, she said, when I get a job, I'll be able to afford top surgery. Now, I got quite cross then. And I said, let's call it what it really is, shall we? It's not top surgery. It's not like having a cup of coffee. It's breast amputation. You're basically going to pay somebody to amputate a part of your body. Yeah. And I said to her, do you know what? If I was to go into down the doctors tomorrow and go, I really don't like my ears. So can, you know, making me depressed to have these on the side of my head. And could you cut them off, please? The very first thing a doctor's going to go is you need some counselling. And I'm going to help you. And she just shrugged her shoulders and she said, well, she said, if I don't have breasts, she said, then I don't have to bind, do I? And I, th I wonder whether some of these young girls <clears throat> have their breasts cut off to make themselves feel more physically comfortable because then they don't have to bind, do they? It's insane. No, but nobody in their right mind, in their right mind, is going to go and have a perfectly healthy body part cut off. Anyway, then we started talking about um, the side effects of testosterone. Right. Now, she, she'd already told me in a text message um, that she was talking to somebody about getting testosterone. And uh, she said that all she had to do was get a blood test to make sure that she was healthy enough to take it. And apart from the, the usual side effects, as long as her blood test was okay, she would be fine. So I said, let's talk about these side effects then. Mm. You know? So I said, your voice is going to drop. And once it's dropped, it's never going to go back. You're not going to be able to sing. Not like you did. I said, and you're going to grow a beard, are you? Is that what you want? Yes, she said. I said, and if you stay on it long enough, I said, you're basically going to poison your body. Because any endocrinologist worth their salt knows that when you put the wrong hormones in your body, bad things happen mm. 
And she said, oh yes, she said, I know. She said, after five years, she said, I'm going to have to have a hysterectomy. So she knows that already. She knows. She knows. But she said, that's okay. She said, because I don't want kids anyway. Well, actually, not many 18 and 19 year old girls will, will actually go, oh yes, I really want children. Yeah. Because most normal kids of that age are too busy having fun. They're too busy living their lives. That's for later. This is for now. You know, I'm having fun. Of course, I don't want kids right now. But of course, these young people don't have the capacity to pay it forward, do they? They don't have the capacity to understand the implications of what they are doing right now and how yeah, that's going to affect them in the future. They don't know. They don't think about it. Now, in my family, um, there are um, heart conditions. And we know that testosterone can cause heart attacks. Yeah. So I said to her, aren't you worried about, you know, your cardiovascular health, about the risks of heart attacks? And she just kind of, well, no, not really. I said, do you realise, I said, that if you start taking testosterone, you could be dead before you hit 30. And her answer to that was, it'll be worth it. What, the, the beard and the deep voice and the passing? The beard and the deep voice and the passing would be worth dying before you're 30, apparently. Now, that's a mental health issue. Yeah. That's it, clearly a mental health issue. When we talked about how she was going to facilitate all of this, um, she's not, had no counselling doesn't need any counselling because she's gone to that place in Spain where they do everything over the internet and it is literally a blood test, here's your prescription. Is this the famed um, Dr Helen Weberly? Yes, yes. And I, I did question her about that as well. I said, you do know that they don't have a licence. They ran away to Spain because they were prescribing cross-sex hormones without a licence. Yeah. If they're so if they're so good at what they're doing, why didn't they stand and fight their corner? If they're genuinely, genuinely caring about young people, why didn't they stand and fight their corner? Oh, because they don't want to. They ran away to Spain where we can't touch them. And I said, you may want to consider who you're dealing with, because that doesn't that's that's not a good a good way to run a, your 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 practice yeah you know unfortunately it appears that that doesn't matter to her so in February she started taking testosterone now in in this the the group the support group um, all of all of the mothers and some of the fathers because mainly what we generally find is that fathers are there for, because they're worried about their boys and the mothers are there because they're worried about their girls. And all, all of the mothers are absolutely devastated when their child starts taking testosterone 
because they know that the first two things that happen are irreversible. You're going to grow facial hair, bodily hair eventually, chest hair, and your voice will, will deepen, and those are irreversible. So, some of us, myself included, are now in a position where we know that what's happened so far can never be changed. It can, they can never go back, ever. She was under the, my daughter was under the misapprehension. Well, maybe it can be done. I don't know. I don't know. She told her brother um, that if she changed her mind, she could have voice training to put her voice back to the way that it used to be. Because Who's he told her that. I don't know. I don't know. So there's all of these parents who are basically we've, we've all had our hands tied there was one lady that joined a little while ago and she supported her child because she was given you know that old chestnut yeah do, do you want a dead daughter or a living son and i'd just like to say my my daughter never showed any signs of wanting to kill herself never So this, this, this poor woman, faced with that option, decided that she would rather have a living child. So she supported her daughter as best as she could, because that's what the doctors told her she should do. Yeah. That child started taking testosterone aged 16. She had a double mastectomy aged 18. And at 21, realised it was all a terrible mistake. So now what you've got is you've got a grieving 21-year-old girl, woman, young woman, who feels that she's messed up her whole life. And grieving parents who helped her to do it because they were told by the medical people that that's what they had to do. This is an absolute outrage. It's a scandal that there's doctors in the world who are trying to capture these young people and then profiting off of the, you know, testosterone isn't free. They're just, no. gonna, they're just gonna keep paying it, aren't they? The surgery isn't free. Somebody's going to pay them to do it. And it, what for? For an, for an idea? Because, well, I don't fancy being a girl anymore, so I think I'll be a bloke. And the same thing happens to young men. And I'm, I'm certain that you saw it, Kelly J, about the young man who killed himself six months after he had SRS. Well, it's never going to be the answer, is it? It's no, never no, going to be whatever you're looking for. No, it's not. And more and more kids are coming forward. They're, they're, and they're coming forward and, and the, the anguish that they feel, the anguish, 
that they've been lied to because actually they don't feel any better. Their lives have just got a whole lot worse. When you think about it, and I watched my daughter, she left the house the last time that she was here. And when she got to the pavement, she stopped, she reset herself, and then she started loping because she was desperately trying to walk like a man. Gosh. When she gets up in the morning, I'm absolutely certain before she leaves the house, she's, she's put herself under this terrible pressure to look and behave like the opposite sex. It's always there. When she meets somebody, in her mind, it's going to be, are you going to see through what's on the outside and realise that actually I'm a girl? That's a terrible burden to be living with every single day. Because we see, yes, there are, there are transsexuals out there. There are. And they just want to get on with their lives. They just want to be left alone to live their life the way that they want to live it. And if they get misgendered, they just, whatever. But these young people are all in, you did, you just, dis, you, you just misgendered me. I've got a friend who's in the ambulance service and he was called out to um, a school that was closed during lockdown because there was a young person very distressed, yeah. having an anxiety attack. And he walked up and this young person from behind had long hair, wearing gender neutral clothes. So I wear jeans. You know, loads of women wear jeans. Doesn't mean I want to be a man. Um, so he went up and he said, oh, um, are you all right, miss? And this person turned around and the very first thing they said was, did you just misgender me? So somebody's come to help you and you're more concerned about pronouns. But they've all been convinced, haven't they? Whatever yes. cult mentality this is, They've been convinced that, that the only way uh, to get any sort of sense of happiness, and I, I don't even know if happiness is something they discuss, but it's like a power thing. So you mm. take back power from others by insisting that they use your specific language yes. and so on. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I, I agree with that. So going back to my daughter, because I've kind of got off track a little bit there. Um, she has now done what a lot of the other kids do. That she's just gone, I've cut you out of my life. You are no longer part of my life. Not just me, but her siblings. Wow. We're all, because she's got her own, got her new family now. And this is the family that she's chosen. These are her words. These are her words. She didn't have the courage to talk to me about this, maybe on a very basic level, she actually didn't want the responsibility of breaking her own mother's heart. And how do you feel about her um, leaving, separating from you? Well, I don't know, you, you ask any parent, I'm, I'm an older parent, as you get older you go 
well, I know that my kids are going to leave home. And, and they should. And all you want to know is that your children, however old they are, are safe and happy and well. That's all you want. You know, kids emigrate. They, they leave the country and they leave their parents behind. And all the parents want to know is that their kids are safe and well and happy. That's the natural progression as they go through their lives. And I don't, I, I worry. It's a daily, a daily grind because I don't know if she's safe. I don't know if she's well and I really don't think that she's happy. Because on top of everything else, she's now kicked her family in the teeth. And I know that that will make her feel bad about herself. Yeah. I know it will. But they're encouraged to do it. And she was actually encouraged to cut me off by the community. When she explained to them that I had manipulated her by calling top surgery breast amputation and that term doesn't even exist she said and the community agreed that i they don't know me they've never spoken to me nothing they knew nothing about me all decided that yes i'm this this person's mother is is bad and should be cut off. How but you stand in the way, don't you? You stand yes, in the I way do. of them and your daughter. Way. Yeah. And I think that she, the reason that she did that was because she knew that I was right. What I was saying to her when she last came here, she knows I'm right. She knows that this is not the answer. She knows that she's going to poison her body, but she doesn't want to accept it. Mm because she's she's so far down that rabbit hole she can't she doesn't feel that she can come back and this is this is the next thing you know when they do when they they do wake up and they go oh my god what have i done they feel stupid they feel they feel manipulated these kids they feel manipulated they know they've been lied to they feel like their lives have been destroyed and in the process of all of that, they've effectively destroyed their parents' lives as well. It's not just about the kids. There are thousands of grieving parents out there. And many of them are isolated. And they say, they tell us, we're so isolated. We can't speak to our friends about this. None of our friends know that this is going on. They don't know, they've got no one to turn to. In America, it's worse than it is here. Mm. You know, I tried speaking to somebody about what was happening. And she said, she's an older lady. And she said, oh, well, you know, transsexuals. Yeah, that normally they find out that there's um, a hormone um, imbalance in the brain. They reckon it's a hormone imbalance in the brain. Well, guess what? When you put testosterone in a female body, you're introducing a hormone imbalance in the brain, aren't you? Mm. How's that going to help? I've had contact from parents who can't talk about it, not just because of the embarrassment, but because if 
the wider community, their wider friends might think that they're bad parents for not yes. going along with it. Yeah, and that, that also is some of it. So a lot of the parents say, you know, I tried bro broaching the subject with some of my close friends um, and, and they really, they don't understand, A, they don't understand, and B, they don't see it as a problem. They think that we should just follow the doctor's advice. To do anything else means that they're transphobic. Who even made that word up? Mm. So... You know, in your position with hindsight and like like you say it's a wonderful thing when do you think if knowing what you know now when do you think there was a point at which you could have stepped in do you think right at the beginning before tumblr do you think if you'd known about tumblr you could have prevented oh this oh my god oh my god yeah the internet i think the internet the um, the thing is the kids are so clever you know they they know how to get to bypass certain things and there was a, a period of time where I, I knew that she was spending far too much time online far too much mm. and we clashed about that a lot and one of the things that she said to me was well if you take away my internet access you I'm going to be really lonely because you're preventing mm. me from talking to my friends and it's that manipulation that emotional blackmail I'm going to be unhappy and it could be your fault and that's yeah. not the case. That's not. I'm all through this. I've said to her, I'm talking to you the way that I am because I'm here to, to I want you to be safe and well and happy. That's a parent's job. That's my job. You know, and spending too much time on the internet, they're there and they're going on Tumblr and oh, Deviant Art and even Reddit. There's a huge community of young people on Reddit, on the, the trans community. It's oh, huge. Yeah. And they all help each other. They all tell each other what lies to tell. Oh, I'll PM you the things you've got to tell the doctor when you have your appointment. I'll PM you. When they detransition, they come back to the detrans board and they go, well, yeah, I lied. I lied just to get the hormones. And the, 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 the parents have had their um, hands tied behind their backs for lots and lots of different reasons. And some of them are, are because of the doctors are going, oh, no, no, you have to do this. Um, some of them are for the social, the social side where they, they can't talk to anybody. They can't, yeah. they can't push back, you know? So it's, I sometimes think if I was to go with my child to a gender clinic and my child was sat next to me and said, if you don't help me transition, I'm going to kill myself. So what would happen if I was to sit there and go, and if you help my child transition, I will kill myself. You choose. You choose, doctor, which one you want to destroy. Because that's what's happening. Whole families are being destroyed by this. And I, the parents, even the parents who talk about, well, if my child detransitions, I'll be so grateful and so happy. But the relationship is, will never be what it used to be. Never. Because it's quite a romantic betrayal, isn't it? 
Oh, it is. It is. When the parents, all the parents have are their children's best wishes at heart. That's all the parents have. And they're being, they're being forced to either keep quiet or help. And I won't help. I won't help my child destroy her own body. I just can't do it. I just can't. And there's many thousands of parents out there who feel the same, but can't speak up. And most of the parents can't speak up. Um, and we'll get on to why you have in a minute. But most of the parents can't speak up because actually that would be the final nail in the coffin with their relationship yes. with their kids. Yes, yes. So why have you chosen to speak up? I can't, I can't save my daughter. I can't. She's lost to me. I can hope that one day she'll find her way back, but she has to find it. She has to. But I have grandchildren. And they're going to be next. And if you think, if there's parents out there with, you know, 25, 26, 27 year old kids, and you think, oh, thank God, I dodged a bullet here. No, you really, you really haven't. You really haven't because they're going to bring in this RSE curriculum, yeah. relation, relationship and sexual education curriculum into primary schools. And I'm not saying all of the schools will teach this, but some of them can teach five and six year old boys that if they don't want to be a boy, they can be a girl. Yeah. And they can teach nine, 10 and 11 year olds about things such as anal sex and masturbation. And really, well, that's gonna really mess them up then, isn't it? Let, let's sexualize the, the little ones mm. because they're gonna be next. Your grandchildren, you may have dodged a bullet with your 20 something, 30 something children, but the Pied Piper of the transgender cult is after the children. Yeah. And somebody needs to do something. I am terrified that my grandchildren are going to be indoctrinated into this as early as six or seven years old. I'm absolutely terrified. And then my children, my grown-up children, will then have to suffer what thousands and thousands of other parents are suffering. Mm. And in a minute, mm. all, what, what are they going to do? All of the children are going to be trans, are they? We'll, we'll just trans all of them. And it sounds ridiculous and you can sit there and go, oh, that'll never happen. But you don't know. Because who knew? Who knew 20 years ago that we'd be sitting here now having a conversation about how our kids are being given cross-sex hormones and poisoned, you would never have known, would you? you would no, never you really wouldn't. You really what wouldn't. I, what I say, I do have friends who have young children, primary age children, and I tell them, I, I, ask, I say to them, can you, when your child starts back at school, ask to see the RSE curriculum, ask to see the material that your child is going to be taught. Because really, 
if my, this sounds terrible, if my daughter had died, I would have closure because I would know that she's gone and I would grieve and I would then move on because that's what happens when somebody you love dies. But she's not dead and I want my daughter back. I'm so sorry. But no, no, it's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. It's, um, it's been, it's been a long time. I don't want other parents to suffer this. Why? Why? Whose, whose idea was it? Whose harebrained idea was it to teach primary school aged children that you, if you if you don't want to be a boy, you can be a girl? Whose idea was that? Well, I think we, <laughs> I think unfortunately we're getting to know these people, and um, I and, don't think their agenda is just trans. To be fair, no, I, I don't. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think it's all to do with the, you know. Oh, let, let's let the trans women be women um, and they can go into the women's toilets. Oh, yeah, that'd be really good. Yeah, because we all like that. Mm. I have a, a friend who has a 98-year-old auntie. If she has to go to hospital and there's a, a trans woman in the same ward, it appears that she'll just have to put up with that. Mm. Well, that's not right. I think all of this, all of it is connected while we were sleeping they captured our kids while we're firefighting trying to deal with the fallout of what's happening with our kids they've, they've very slowly and insidiously put in or changed wording of legislation that then apparently means that trying to counsel your child trying to arrange mental health counselling for your child because they're confused is now called conversion therapy really yeah. mm. really all of this all of it i'm absolutely convinced i'm not a, a, um, a conspiracy theorist I'd, you know i just think no this can't be a conspiracy but actually is it is, isn't it well I go from thinking that humans are just deeply flawed and um, and there's too many people driving this and so there are sheep and people all have their own vested interest to actually if if somebody took a little lid off somewhere in the in some hidden place and there were sort of eight oligarchs just pushing people around on a game of risk I would <laughs> I don't know if I'd be too surprised mm. uh, because what's happening is not logical it's not truthful doesn't make sense and it's not good for anybody no it's not it's only ever in the majority of cases it's going to end in more pain and suffering more not less more not just for the the children the young people right now but for their parents their aunties, their uncles, their grandparents, it affects the whole family. Yeah. And in a minute, come September, they're going after the little ones. And it is, I keep thinking of the Pied Piper. The Pied Piper of the transgender cult is coming for the children. 
I totally agree with you. And there have been, there have been very overt um, uh, tune whistling, shall we say, from some of the larger lobby groups where they invite children on camps, where you go to a camp with eight to 25 year olds. I mean, it's, it's, it's so brazen. I think it's, it's more frightening, I think, because it's so brazen. Nobody needs to hide it anymore because everybody's been captured. Mm. Well, a, so, a lot of the a lot of the American parents are saying, you know, because they they might have a gifted child. Oh, my child's been invited to, you know, a gifted camp. And the other parents go, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, because they'll go they'll go normal and they'll come back trans. Just don't do it. Yeah. Well, um, on behalf of myself and uh, parents across the UK and probably much further afield. I want to thank you very much. I know um, that coming on and talking to me today is a is an act of courage and one that you that you have um, been hesitant about because we all know what's what's now going to happen. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important that parents do speak out so that people understand that these children that become centre of their own worlds um, and become emperors in their own lives. Uh, there is a fallout and it's painful uh, and it's not just about one individual like you said today it's it's about an entire family and as a mother myself I can't imagine the heartbreak so thank you very much for speaking to me today okay take care cheers thank you very much for listening today and joining the woman by definition podcast I'm so incredibly grateful to this mother and I wish her all the best uh, going forward. And I really hope her daughter uh, gives up this cult before it causes her further damage. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe and leave me a review. I'm told that it helps people find the podcast and generally helps the visibility of the message. And if you're looking for ways to support the podcast, I have a Patreon account. You can join Standing for Women and subscribe and generally just keep talking. That's the most important thing, that you don't self-censor and you keep talking until we win this particular culture war. See you next time.